Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I think you know this about me, but in case you don't, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I have a group practice based out of California, where we offer virtual therapy to parents who reside in the state of California. Now, there came a point in time when, because of the podcasts and the connections I was making with listeners like you, as well as through social media, that my practice was full. I was seeing my ideal client and feeling really connected to the folks that I was supporting. And then more kept reaching out. And I had a wait list, but I didn't like having a wait list. I don't want people to have to wait to get the support that they're needing now. So I started to think about hiring a therapist and it really needed to be someone that I could trust. Someone that brought their own their own specialty and their own expertise to this work and also took a similar approach and also specialized in working with parents and folks who were in those early years of parenting and postpartum. And that's where I met Casey. Casey was my first hire and working with her, seeing how much her clients loved her, seeing the real support and change that her clients were experiencing and feeling that deep sense of trust that when someone reached out to me, I I knew with I knew wholeheartedly that if they connected with Casey and started to work with Casey that they would be so supported and experience that real change that they were looking for and meeting their goals. And in today's session session. In today's episode, you get to meet Casey. So Casey really was what inspired me then to hire more therapists because of just how incredible she is. And in today's episode, you get to hear her story. Casey is a survivor of postpartum depression and anxiety herself. In this episode, she shares a little bit about that experience as well as the steps that she took to get support to heal so that then she could be the one offering the support. And she's also sharing with us how what she learned about herself during that period of time in terms of the kind of support she really needs translated later on when her child had a stroke and she now found herself being a parent to a child with a disability. She also shares a bit in this episode about how her partner needed much different support than she did and how they navigated that as well. I do want to share a trigger warning for this episode. If hearing about the depths of postpartum depression and anxiety or hearing about a child experiencing a medical emergency related to COVID or just in general, I want you to really take a pause and check in with yourself if you feel ready to take in this conversation and Casey's story. Maybe it's not today. Maybe you need to take a step to get support first before you're ready to hear about someone else's story. And that's actually what we're talking about today is really listening to yourself and identifying what it is that you're needing and then taking those really intentional steps to meet those needs. So I invite you to tune in to yourself right now before we continue with the episode, knowing that this is always a conversation and a story that you can come back to and connect with when you're ready. All right. Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for coming on today. I always enjoy any opportunity I get to spend 
extra time with you. And it's such a pleasure to have you come on the podcast. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to get to be in conversation with you. So for the listener, Casey and I work together and Casey, you were my first hire, the interviews and accepting applications to start my group practice. And the first person that like, when I got off the interview, I was like, oh my gosh, I can do this. Like, I think I can hire someone and I think I found her, I think. And I was so excited. Um, And it's just been, it's been such a joy to get to know you. Um, personally and also professionally and get a chance to have someone that I can send clients to who reach out to me when I'm unable to see them um, and to just have wholehearted trust that I'm sending them to someone that they are going to to really love and really connect with and really feel supported by. Um, And you brought that kind of sense of security to me that then allowed me to expand even more and, and, and hire the rest of our team. So thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you. And, you know, joining the practice has been such a joy for me. And I think, um, just wanting to do this work, wanting to support moms and parents on their journey. And that that's really the heart of the work that we do at the practice has been, just a dream come true, really. And I actually um, uh, had the opportunity to work with some of your clients when you took a leave. Mm-hmm. And we'll be talking a little bit about that today. Um, but I just, you know, the story is is complex and the story is hard. And um, one thing that I got to experience in all of that was was getting to hear from your clients directly, which I don't often get to do in this group practice model, but to hear from them directly how um, meaningful the work is that you were doing with them and how much they missed you and were, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're happy to continue to receive support, but we're really missing you and like really wanting to know when you were coming back. So, um, you know, just, it was a really unique experience in that way to get to know um, directly from your clients, um, how beautiful that work is you do. So maybe I'll give you here a chance to introduce yourself to the listener um, in your words and share a little bit with us um, what you're um, hoping to talk to us today about. Yeah. So I um, am a marriage and family therapist in the practice. And I am also the mom of a very sweet and wild two-year-old boy. Um, And what Cassidy was kind of making reference to was that last July, um, my son had COVID and was incredibly ill. And several days after that diagnosis, um, we learned that he had had a stroke Uh, He was 10 and a half months old at the time, and we ended up in the ER, which then resulted in being uh, at Children's Hospital here in Los Angeles for about a month, Um, and that time was split between, you know, inpatient care and then also inpatient rehab um, because of the type of stroke he had. He has a diagnosis of hemiplegia, which is like partial paralysis of the body. So his stroke was on the right side of his brain, which means he has left-sided weakness. Mm. Um, And actually the way that kind of the the medical world works now with, with a stroke and diagnosis is that he also has a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. Um, because of that weakness. So my hope really today with you is to talk about kind of the the journey of becoming and now being the parent of a child with a disability. Um, And also just to hopefully share some information uh, um, to those that are maybe in the support role of of being there for a friend or family member um, who has a child with a disability and how they can really show up for that parent or person, um, the caretaker. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and and so grateful for your willingness to to come in and and talk about this now. And I know you're still in it, you know. And I want to I just want to name that that yeah. this isn't a conversation about. Um, I have all the I have all the answers, and definitely not. <laughs> yeah, this is a conversation to support um, feeling less alone and connection mm-hmm. and naming things that aren't often named. And also for you as somebody who, you know, knows how to navigate accessing resources and knows a thing or two about support and boundaries and the mental load. And, you know, I think that those pieces have, are a part of your journey, right. And Mm -hmm. also a part of what I think is going to be so meaningful for you to share with us today while you're, while you're still in the messy middle of it all. Yes. And I'm glad you mentioned that because by no means am I an expert in uh, disability parenting. I'm, you know, a little over a year into this journey and I, you know, learn so much really every day. And that's something I'm sure we'll get into is, is really the work that you have to do doesn't stop. Um, It's ongoing and it's constantly evolving. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm learning as I go and that, that can be a difficult piece of it at times too, because there's no guidebook on how to parent in this way. And so it's really about trying to find information, um, and make connections and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yes. And I know that, um, part of your story that that you've shared as well in different ways with with me and um also you know on on the website on your bio and um and different things that you've written that you are also a survivor of postpartum struggles yeah and so i actually wonder if 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 kind of going back a little bit to sharing you know hardship is is not something that is is brand new to you right um in in this realm of parenting and finding support and finding ways to process and heal and experience and so i and i the reason i kind of wanted to start there is for the listener who's who maybe chose to tune in maybe there's some folks who are already in the messy middle of mm-hmm. parenting a child with disability, or, or maybe there's somebody who has the worry or the concern or the mm-hmm. I'm wondering, or we haven't gotten a diagnosis yet, or mm-hmm. this is something that I have intrusive thoughts around, right? Like there were things that you did before your child's diagnosis mm-hmm. to, to find support and to find healing for yourself. And and I wonder if maybe naming some of those things first as part of your story could be helpful to the listener no matter what stage they're at. Yes, definitely. Um, Yeah. And it's interesting to reflect back on because I think I thought that struggle that I had initially postpartum was kind of going to be maybe one of the more challenging things I faced as a parent. And little did I know that this other massive challenge was coming along, but that initial challenge, I think, taught me a lot about the type of support that I need. Mm. Uh, and by that, I mean, so yes, as as Dr. Cassidy mentioned, I had um, pretty severe postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. And part of that was just that I have a history of anxiety. And so there was that um, history there. And then also I had severe preeclampsia during labor Um, and just some other kind of events in the hospital that just left me shaken up and really not feeling confident when I went home. Um, and so I think it, it was so helpful that I myself am a therapist because I could easily say, I don't feel well. And I think what I'm experiencing is postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Um, And even though I knew that, it didn't change the fact that I felt so alone in that. Mm -hmm. Because I think every 
where I looked, whether it be social media or friends that were having uh, babies around the same time, they weren't struggling. Um, you know, they were dealing with the normal difficulties, but it didn't seem um, to be as extreme as what I was feeling. So I really needed to hear from other people who had gone through it. I needed to know that I wasn't alone. And I also really needed to hear that it would be okay one day that I would feel better because it felt so permanent minute um in those early days you know you're sitting in like a dark nursery your baby's crying and I was just wondering when when am I ever going to feel better um so you know I think I was lucky that I could recognize that in myself that I needed that connection and I, I went about getting that two ways. One was just kind of reaching out to some friends um, and saying like, hey, do you do you guys know anyone that's gone through this? Um, and, and colleagues too. And I was lucky enough to be put in contact with other moms who I think when you've gone through this, you want to help other people who are going through it. And so people were so generous to me and talked to me over the phone or over text and shared their stories and really emphasized, like, you will feel better. You will get better. Um, and shared also the, the things that had helped them, right. Which had been, some of them went on medication. I would say 99% of them were in therapy. Um, and so those were things that I, I knew I needed to do for myself also. Hey there, a quick word about this episode's sponsor, Cozy Earth. I have been a fan of Cozy Earth since I was postpartum. I am obsessed with their joggers and their pajamas. All of their material is responsibly sourced from viscose from bamboo. It's so soft, so comfortable. It can transition from, you know bedtime to the morning routine to school drop-off to, hey, I'm wearing it right now. (laughs) I um, often wear my cozy earth while recording or while working. I am a huge fan. If you want to check out Cozy Earth, be sure to check out their website at cozyearth.com. Check out their joggers and their pajamas, and you can use code DRCASSIDY35 for 35% off site-wide. That's CozyEarth.com, and that's code DrCassidy35. And then the other thing was um, Postpartum Support International, which is such a wonderful resource. Um, I went to some of their free support groups. And so, again, I was surrounded by other moms going through the same thing. Um, And then now they have, you know, incredible things in place like a a a hotline that you can call into to get immediate assistance and help and um, also a peer mentor program so you can get matched with someone who has walked this path and and get support in that way so having gone through that I knew okay that's kind of what lifts me up is other people's stories and hearing from other parents in the same position Mm. And really what I'm hearing from you in all this is like, there's so many of the pieces that you named here are things that we talk about as folks who are in the maternal mental health field and you actually walked through them. Like you actually (laughs) walked through the steps of really experiencing some of the really tricky parts of anxiety and depression to actually keep us from taking some of those steps to get support, right? Some of the shame, some of the hopelessness, some of the, oh, don't tell anyone because then X, Y, or Z will happen, right? Like, oof. But you like took some of the steps of just like putting one foot in front of the other of like attending, you know, one of these free support 
resources through Postpartum Support International, reaching out to people, taking the meaningful risk of opening up about some of the things that you were experiencing, therapy, medication, and getting your head above water. And so as you're walk, as you're supporting folks through these things, you're also, you also can reflect back with them, um, truly what it was to walk through those, walk through those doors and take those steps yourself. And what a meaningful and incredibly powerful uh, offering to be able to to give to somebody when they're in the depths of that and in the hole to be able to crawl into it with them and say, "Gosh, I've been down here. It's really yeah. hard. you're not alone." Yes, and I hope that you know the individuals I work with can feel that that it's really coming from a place of deep, deep understanding. Um, you know, and my heart always swells when. I I hear from another parent that that they're experiencing that because I know how how just intense it can feel in those early days. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. Okay. So then, as you said, that was one of the hardest things you'd ever been through, and as as you imagined, was going to be this. You know, it was was this very hard entry into parenthood. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then within that first year, you had this huge, um, and painful and scary experience with your son. Talk to us a little bit about what kind of the beginning stage of, of that looked like, right. Um, you know, getting the diagnosis, adjusting to Mm -hmm. what your life is going to look like now, the mental load, you know, about the mental load and the challenges in getting support just in parenting in general, and then adding in, um, finding yourself navigating the world of an experience of and a relationship of having a child with a disability, you know, there are all these new tabs open with the mental load. There are tricky, there are trickier things to navigate when it comes to getting support. And maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think I have a unique experience within the community um, of disability. Well, and not unique, but, you know, in a way it's different than having your child um, come into this world and immediately there is a diagnosis or, you know, within the first several months, you're noticing something is off and and receiving that. and I have the experience of having 10 months of like a able-bodied, non-medically complex child um, and what that was like, which felt hard and challenging and um, all of those things. And then, you know, really overnight um, having a completely different kind of path um, through parenthood. And I think the thing that I have had the hardest time dealing with is the grief um, that that comes from that. Um, really grieving and not even really having realized just, wow, I had so many kind of preconceived ideas of what my child's life was going to look like. Um, and how quickly that all changed um because you know of of his disability and then also there just were so many more kind of question marks about his future that arose that weren't there before um you know will he need support at school will he need an aid with him um will he be able to tie his shoes um you know, questions like that, that part of it is like over time we'll learn and adapt. Um, But those were not things I had thought about um, prior to this experience. I will say I really only recently have felt like a little bit of myself before this happened. And I do think that 
the version of myself that existed before this is no more. Um, I think I'm forever changed and not in a negative way. I think it has opened my eyes to uh, a lot and has definitely kind of allowed me access to another level of empathy um, that I didn't really know I had. But it's been a really hard process. Um, you know, I think when you're in the hospital with your child, it's a very controlled environment, right? They're getting their vitals taken. There's someone always there checking on them. Even though you're super uncomfortable, you want to come home so badly, there's a sense of safety in being there. Um, and you get really comfortable with that. And so coming home from the hospital, it's like you go from, you know, zero to 100. It's like you're constantly being monitored to now no one is monitoring you. And that felt so scary and overwhelming to me. Um, and once you get home, at least for my son and his diagnosis, it's like, okay, now this is when the real work starts. This is when he has to start his rehabilitation journey and start going to therapy. Um, and so that opened up a whole other world um, that we had to navigate and figure out. Um, you know, I didn't know about the programs that the state has for children with disabilities and what that process looks like. Um, so really coming home was just about, like you were saying, trying to figure out what is our new routine, right? Like before it was like, what are we going to play with today? What are we going to, are we going to go to the grocery store? Or are we going to go to the park? Um, now it was, okay, when is your physical therapy appointment? And we have to make an appointment with a, uh, you know, a special eye doctor to make sure that his vision is working and just everything that had been before was really no more. Like his entire kind of day to day had, had shifted and changed. Mm. And I'm thinking about during that time with, you know, all the tabs that you had originally open and then some of them, as you said, shifted and were no longer a priority. And then there's still, um, there's still obviously certain tabs, mental load that mm -hmm. remain open um, to just keep, continue functioning in the day to day. Mm -hmm. And, and now we're, we're opening up so many more. How in, in the beginning, in the very beginning how did you and your partner and your family system sort of navigate mm -hmm. that load? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe looking back, there are things you would change or things that you would, you would share for the listener in terms of like, this would have been really helpful then, mm -hmm. or this, we did this and it was, or that here was a mistake that we made, right? Like looking back on, um, on that kind of transition to the new, the new normal, what, 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 what would you say in terms of like, what, what would have been really supportive? Well, I think first and foremost, like I had shared with kind of my journey through postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Um, I was lucky enough when we were in the hospital to be connected with um, another stroke mom and also with a mom of a child who had been through an accident and had a brain injury. Um, and they really served like as my guides. Um, and immediately it was kind of like an unspoken connection um, was formed between us because we, because I had now entered this club, right? That I had never wanted to be a member of, but they held my hand without even there was no hesitation it was like okay what do you need to figure out you need to find therapists these are the therapists we know in your area it was just like this whole kind of um this whole support system opened up to me um and you know now i would say those women and their children are like some of the most important people in my life um because they get it yeah like 
I can, you know, text at 6 a.m. or, you know, 6 p.m. and say, I'm struggling with this, or I need to find a new occupational therapist, and they have my back, um, and they know what to do. So I feel very lucky in that, and I so wish that every parent um, going through something like this could have that kind of connection with another parent who's been on that journey for a little bit of time. Um, and, you know, I think some of the ways to do that, if if you're a parent listening and you're like, I don't have anyone like that, yeah. this is going to sound maybe very silly, but Facebook is such an incredible connector for that. There are so many groups for, um, you know, rare genetic disorders to, you know, what I'm, I'm going through with my family. Um, and people want to help. Like if you have gone through this, people want to be there for you who have walked the path. Mm. Um, so I would really, really suggest trying to find other parents, um, or a community, a support group that is special to your child's needs. Um, I can think I share, that, can I share something that comes up sometimes yeah. with one of my clients and, um, when a diagnosis and this transition to this new normal enters their, their family life is there can sometimes be this struggle of like, I actually, like uh, this like block of like, I actually don't even like, I don't, I'm afraid to join these groups um, for several reasons. And one of them maybe being this, this is almost like, like you said, this wasn't a club I ever wanted to join. And mm -hmm by going and making mm -hmm. connection, it's like, it's like accepting that. Right. And yeah. so there's this, that, there's that huge piece. And, and, and I think like there's a lot of grief, right. And pain that, that kind of swirls around with that block and, and Facebook can be an incredible resource. And I think it can be really overwhelming. Right. So do you have any suggestions for, navigating the Facebook piece to make it like a, a, a more like nuanced supportive mm -hmm. experience and, and any words you would share to the parent who's listening, who's just like, I just, it's so hard to even take that first step to accept that. Like I am now part of this, this yes. crew of parents. I will say that I think just using this as an example, my husband his grief journey and his process through all of this is the exact opposite of mine. So he does not want to be on Facebook reading about other children's journeys. That's not helpful to him. Mm -hmm. um, he's very much like I'm, I'm with our son and I'm navigating this path, but uh, hearing other people's stories is, is not how he heals. Um, and that's fine. Like, I think, he, you know, gathers strength from the present moment and from navigating that. I think, you know, part of it is being an anxious person is that I'm a planner by nature. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of, I think, my involvement in these groups and the relationships I've formed is about getting information and that that feels like power to me, right? That I can make decisions and choices based on that. I think for, for what you said, for maybe a parent that's like, this is too much, this is too intense, start small then, right? Like see if there is a, a website with information about your child's diagnosis. Maybe it's not throwing yourself into Facebook um, where there's, you know, tons of parents having conversations. Because I remember it probably took me about a month to do that. I, I first joined a pediatric stroke group. I saw a post about a child who was really struggling and I immediately got scared and I, I couldn't read it. Um, it was just like, I can't have any kind of more, um, I couldn't have more negativity in my mind. It felt like what I was dealing with was already so hard. It it was hard at that moment to hear another child's story who was struggling. Right. I think if you start small, if you start with your, 
you know, whatever the condition might be, um, if there is a, like I said, a website or a nonprofit that has been formed around that, most likely whoever is on the back end of that is going to be able to offer support and connect you. Um, so for example, again, just because I know the most about the pediatric stroke world, um, there is an, an alliance for, for parents and I reached out and I was able to chat with another mom over email. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a very gentle way to, to build connection. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and maybe just even going on that website is the first step, right? Maybe it's like slow kind of dipping your toes into, um, getting that support if that's, if that's all that you can handle. As a mom to three, my partner and I find that one of the biggest struggles we have faced in our relationship is navigating sharing responsibilities and the mental load. And I know that we're not alone because this shows up with all of my clients and in every podcast episode, the mental load of parenting shows up in some way or another. Enter the scene, coexist. Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top for my amazing community. Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DrCassidy15. So what are you waiting for? Really, take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com. The load in our home has been feeling a little bit lighter since downloading Coexist, and yours can feel lighter too when you download the Coexist app at getcoexist.com. Since becoming a parent and as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mindful of the supplements and products that I use, and that's why I love Peary. These are natural food supplements that I trust completely. Let's talk a bit about collagen. So collagen is so important for our bodies, but our natural production of it slows as we get older. So I've learned and quality supplements support our muscle, bone, and joint health. Recently, I've been taking Puri's CP1 Pure Collagen Peptides. It was number one out of 28 collagens tested by the Organic Consumers Association and Clean Label Project. There are enough hard decisions that we make every day as parents, and this makes Puri an easy choice. See and feel the difference with Puri. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puri is offering my listeners an amazing deal, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy, and use my promo code Dr. Cassidy. So go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash Dr. Cassidy. Don't miss out. Use promo code Dr. Cassidy at puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a, a, what I'm hearing a lot of is sort of an, an honoring of where you're at while also moving towards the like meaningful discomfort, right. Of dipping our toes in and making those connections, knowing that, um, at the end of the day, feeling less alone in that space is, is going to be supportive. And that doesn't have to look like, you join these groups and you are involved in these really high level ways, right? Like, um, or, or, or really, you know, massive ways. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's one person that you find, like you share, like now these people are some of the most important people in your lives mm -hmm. and, and maybe, you know, and, and actually let me ask, you know, for, for your partner, you know, and for somebody who, who for them, it's, it's more about the presence with mm -hmm. their child mm -hmm. every day. And, and I imagine also with like the, the people who are in the system that are caring for the child, um, what are some ways in which you see him feeling 
not alone in the experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are some of those ways in which he receives support? Mm -hmm. I would say, I think he gets support from, from his friends who have able-bodied children. Um, And, you know, that's something that I want to speak to is, is honoring and acknowledging how difficult it can be to at least for me to to be around friends and family who have able-bodied children after my son's stroke um that was not a place that I could get strength or support it felt incredibly hard going to the playground felt like torture yeah you know seeing a kid being able to run across the playground or use both of their their hands and arms which my son really only has function um of one of his hands and arms um was was really really difficult and so i think for him and his different experience that he's having with grief that hasn't been as challenging for him um and so you know he is still able to connect with friends of his who had children um And then also, I really think so much of his kind of strength comes from seeing our son and him have these major wins in his therapy, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, him being able to, to go upstairs, um, him being able to bring his left hand forward, um, reach for something. Those are such powerful moments for him Mm -hmm. that I think really, and for me too, really help him kind of continue moving forward on this journey um yeah. that, that can just be so so tough what i'm really gathering from what you're sharing here is that this doesn't the access to support and the process of healing doesn't have to look like one model and <laughs> and and i i wonder also if you know the two of you in the different um the different approaches and 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 histories and maybe in strengths that you bring to mm-hmm. this experience um can can actually be influential to each yes. other you know yes. if um if i wonder you know if if his if his you know comfort in receiving support from his friends with able-bodied children and if his uh like presence to really notice the little nuance of the winds is supportive. It can, can bring something. It can be difficult probably because it's not, maybe that's, that's challenging, right. For, mm-hmm. for you. Um, but if that brings something uh, that you're able to receive from him as well. And, and on the flip side, if how invested you are in these communities and learning mm-hmm. more, right. Like brings has brought a lot to your family, right. In terms of access to resources and information that you would have otherwise not, not, not had, not known. Right. And so there, I think it's, cause I, I imagine these can be really tricky situations too. Um, I just think of different times where my husband and I have gone through something hard and we've coped with it differently. Mm-hmm. There have been times when those differences really created disconnect and distance oh, yeah. between the yeah. two of us. And and therapy, couple therapy brought us back, right? To kind of seeing some of these, being able to name some of these differences and and actually connect through them. Um, so I just, I really appreciate that you're naming here those, the differences and, and, yeah. and but also the value in those differences because it can be really hard in stressful situations. We can get that kind of tunnel vision where it's hard to see mm-hmm. what they're doing as being helpful at all. Definitely. Potentially. I I heard some statistic a long time ago that parents of children with special needs, it's like 80% or something end up separating and divorcing. And I can see how that, that statistic, you know, makes sense because it is so incredibly challenging. And like you're saying, having this shared experience experience but moving through it so differently at times has felt like we're on two different nights um and I think initially when we came home and my 
anxiety really kind of kicked into gear again when he came home from the hospital. Um, that was really difficult to navigate because my husband wasn't thinking, okay, when is the next bad thing going to happen and how do we prepare and plan for that? He was more thinking, okay, we're home. Like, what can I do now? How can I be present? Um, and just an example I'll give of, I think how we've now learned to kind of navigate both of our, our ways of processing, um, and moving through this is that we recently participated in a study. Um, it was a, uh, occupational therapy study. And so I found it by like stalking the clinical trials <laughs> website mm -hmm. and researching. And so that's where my coping skills kicked in, right? Is like, I'm researching, I'm asking questions, I'm learning, I'm figuring it out. And then part of the study was that we had to ourselves as parents act as the therapist and administer the therapy to our child. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, trying to get a two-year-old to do two hours of therapy in your home, that is not for the week. And so that was where, though, my husband could step in and really be like, he's present. He's able to handle that kind of distress in a way that I can't. Um, and he could navigate that. And so he owned that. And so I kind of managed more of the behind the scenes and he was able to step in and really work with our son um, to participate in the study. So that I think is kind of how we've learned to navigate that is just, we each have strengths when it comes to this um, and identifying that with each other and really acknowledging it has been very helpful on this journey. Thank you for sharing that like tangible example of how both of mm -hmm. you brought something really important to, to that moment. And, and just for the listener, right? Like a lot of times it's hard to get there and I, and I've been there too. And I'm a, and I am a therapist and like, we can't be the therapist for my relationship. Right. And so getting outside support, um, both individually and relationally can be so supportive here. What would you say to the listener, and, and maybe we can kind of frame this in a way that this could be relevant to both the parent in terms of like, here's a way you can communicate what it is that you're needing support around, and for the person who, who loves somebody, right, who mm -hmm. has a child with a disability and, and how they can step in to support, what, what would you say is like you know, your, your top su supportive advice here in terms of getting support and asking for support specifically, and then like being a loved one stepping in to offer it. Yes. I think that support in general, um, is, you know, can be so hard to ask for. And I think something that my husband and I implemented when I was having really severe postpartum anxiety was using this kind of um, rating scale to explain like how I was feeling in a given day. And so, you know, I, I said to him like, okay, the scale is like zero to 10. 10 is the worst anxiety I could be experiencing. Zero is, I'm never at a zero. So I don't even know what I would say a zero is. A zero is I'm on the beach. Like I have a cocktail and, you know, all my worries are are gone. But I, I would use that early on in postpartum and say like, I'm at a seven today or I'm at a six right now. And then my husband could say like, okay, how can I, you know, support you? What do you need? Um, Maybe I needed to hear from him. Maybe I just needed a hug. Um, but using that model through this journey has been really helpful because he doesn't have anxiety like I do. Um, and so rather than me kind of being super anxious and in my head and, you know, maybe shutting down, which is a lot of times what happens to me too, when I'm anxious, I could say to him, Hey, I'm, I'm at an eight right now. And then that just opened the door for us to talk about what was happening. Mm. Um, so I don't know that for me has really been helpful. 
um, and a great way for us to kind of launch into like, okay, so now what do we need to do? Um, And then I would say, you know, for him getting support, I, it's mostly, I think I've learned, you know, for him having an influx of research or information is not helpful to him. Um, And so rather than maybe flooding him with that information, it's like, we have conversations about, okay, what's a cool park that we can try out with him or um, what museum are we, you know, it's, it's less about the stroke and the diagnosis with him. Um, Hmm. I think for, you know, family members or friends, being a parent of a child with a disability, you feel invisible a lot of the time. Um, the world that we live in is, at, at least here in, in the area that I live in, is not set up for people um, who have a disability. Mm-hmm. And so I think that just adds to kind of like the experience of loneliness. And so I think first and foremost, letting that loved one know, like you see how hard they are working at this. You see how they've been spending time at the doctor, spending time at the therapist. You acknowledge how much they've taken on. Um, You know, I think really, really speaking that out loud to the parent of a child with a disability is incredibly meaningful. Um, because, you know, like you were saying about the mental load, that in itself with an able-bodied child is so much and so heavy. And when you add the layer of disability, not only do you carry the parenting mental load, but you are a therapist now, you are a doctor now, you are an advocate now for your child. Um, And so you've layered on all these additional roles. And I really think just highlighting that feels so good to hear. Like, wow, my friend sees me. They see that this has been really hard. They see that I I don't have the free time I used to have or, um, you know, that I'm, I'm throwing myself into this world for the betterment of my child and for other children. Um, and so really, like I said, just, I think calling that out, it means so much to hear that, that other people see you and see what you're doing. I think at the end of the day, that's just such a core human need that we have from the very, very beginning, right. Is to be seen and to be believed, right. Mm -hmm. Um, the things that I'm experiencing, right. Like are real and to have, someone who's close to us acknowledge that they see that, which yeah. then allows us to feel real and feel yeah. seen. And, and that's actually uh, so much, it's, it's such a powerful thing to experience that. And so um, empowering to then uh, ask for more support mm-hmm. in what we need. And so I love that that's your advice there, because I think that then it becomes a bridge to so much other, so many more ways in which we feel empowered to support ourselves and support our child that we love and are, are trying to show up for in all of these new, new ways as you named. And I also love the quantifying of the anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, um, one of Brene Brown's, uh, supportive tips for couples you know she her she she says it's never 50 50 mm-hmm. um, so she kind of talks about you know and my husband and I do this where like on a on any particular day you know I'll share with him hey I'm operating at like a 20 percent you know and, and right. he's like yeah I'm at like a 40 and you know it's not 50 50 because it doesn't <laughs> add up to 100 but like you know um on those days he might step in and take over like bath time or he might be the one to, to put them down while I go like lay down in bed or something. And, um, but I, I feel like when we quantify something and you and I know this from the work that we both do with EMDR, mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of rating scales and numbers yeah. that we 
apps in there to kind of help track. Um, but it also supports us in shifting a little bit then to a different part of our brain, right? Where um, we can put something to a number, helps us communicate kind of the internal experience. It pulls us out just a little bit out of the stress, out of that kind of like, um, um, the emotional stress state mm-hmm. to a different part of our brain. And then I think it gives our the person we're communicating with kind of a reference point of where we're at. But then also it can be then kind of a realistic place to ask, to to offer support, right? So if you're like, I'm at a six today, he might be able to say, well, you know, what, what, what can I do to help bring you to a five, you know? And it's, it's like, it's, we're not asking him to, to, to fix it all, but it, it's at least opening up dialogue into what is one small way that we can begin to shift this, right? And, and also just for you yourself to be able to name it, I think is supportive. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I think having that as a tool, um, it's kind of like a fast pass into mm. um, just support um, because I think the hardest, not the hardest, but one of the hard things about this experience um, has just been like, how quickly things change, how quickly you can be in a moment of grief and then immediately in a moment of joy Uh, yeah. Um, and needing to talk through that with your partner. And so this really just lets him know, you know, and now we have the experience of, of doing this for over a year, um, that it's, it's a really nice way to open up a conversation. Mm. Um, and it allows him too, like if he's experiencing something in that moment to to share. Casey, I so appreciate you coming on and sharing these parts of your story and um just to be connected to you. And um for those who are listening, um, are there any other specific resources that you'd want us to link to in the show notes for um, these parents. I will definitely include a link to, you know, your page on our website for folks who reside in California and are listening to you when they're like, oh my gosh, she gets it. I want to work. This this is a therapist I'd want to work with. Um, We're accepting new clients and I'll be sure to include that link in the show notes, but any other resources that you'd want to share with the listener? Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned Postpartum Support International earlier, and they have a support group that meets twice a month um, for parents of children who, you know, have a medical diagnosis. And so I've attended a couple of those, and it's led by um, a mom whose child had a stroke, but that's that's not... um, the the main kind of, of diagnosis. It's people who are going through all kinds of different things and it's not, um, necessarily like a therapeutic group. It is more peer support. So anyone anywhere can join, which is really wonderful. Um, you know, and then I think, like I said, seeing if, um, your child's condition as a smaller organization that perhaps you could get information or support from. Um, There's an incredible therapy center. They have a location in Los Angeles, but they have them in other places around the country called Napa Center. And they are um, just such a wonderful resource for getting information of any kind, um, whether it be like adaptive clothing or how to get supplies for your child's G-tube or feeding tube. They're kind of a hub for all of that. And I know they produced an incredible guide um, that has, you know, pretty much like every organization for genetic conditions or other kind of uh, pediatric conditions. So they would be a great resource. Um, And the other thing I want to say too is, you know, even if 
if there is someone listening and we can't work together, you know, therapeutically, but you just want to, you know, talk to a mom that gets it, send me a DM. Let's just chat on Instagram. Um, I get it. This is, you know, we're doing the impossible. And there have been so many days where I have wanted to run away. Um, and mm-hmm. you just don't, you keep pushing through. And I know how heavy that can feel. So I just want parents out there to know I see you um, and I am with you and my heart goes out to you. Mm. Casey, thank you so much. I will share links for these resources and points of contact in the show notes for the listener to head to. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to talk about everything. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also... For you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.